I turn on my computer. I go online. Welcome. And my breath catches in my chest until I hear three little words. In a city where everyone's looking for someone, Joe and Kathleen have discovered the best way to meet someone. Is to never meet at all. We just email. It's really nothing. I don't know his name or what he does. Look, 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 look. Or where he lives exactly. What? What they don't realize. What is that? What are you doing? You're taking all the caviar? That caviar is a garnish. Is they already have. Just Joe Fox. I'm in the book business. I am in the book business. What should I have said? The man who has made my professional life in misery. Tell me something, really. How do you sleep at night? Fight. Fight to the death. In life. They're at odds. She's beautiful, but she's a pill. Online, they're in love. Do you think we should meet? Meet? Oh my God. Hey everybody, welcome to You Have to Watch This Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And today we are continuing our theme of making Devin watch romantic comedies because he's never seen any. <laughs> uh, today we're taking a look at the 1998 film written and directed by Nora Ephron, starring Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Um, You've got mail. Uh, this is a film that I grew up with watching it on TNT, TBS. Um, my wife and I watch this every few months because it's just one of those movies that it's like our, it's like our go-to movie for like a feel good afternoon. Um, so I've seen this movie since it came out in 1998. Um, and Devin, you had never seen it. This is my very first time seeing it was last Saturday. Ryan, had you seen this movie before the podcast? Yeah, I've seen it about four times. Okay. I know that's very specific, but I'll give my reasons for it later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, this is a film that I just, I enjoy every aspect of. Even rewatching this afternoon, I picked up on things that I never noticed before, uh, like little things. But um, we'll get into that later because there are moments in this that my wife and I would just quote at each other all the time. Um, like if we're at a party and I start taking too much of the dip, it's like that's a that's a garnish, like, <laughs> like that kind of stuff. Um, so I think I the best way to start this is just ask Devin. Devin, what did you think of You've Got Mail? Having not watch many romantic comedies i'm thoroughly convinced you guys didn't let me watch a romantic comedy i think this is a straight fantasy movie i don't think the world that this takes place in is anything like what the real world is or was or would ever be i have a lot of reasons for that but the whole time i'm just going why is that person doing that why are they acting like this what are you doing stop doing that the whole time And, like, I guess there are parts of this that are supposed to be very romantic and charming, but I think I kept trying to shift context, and a lot of this movie comes off as very creepy. Um, And I, ugh, like, I I don't think I'll ever watch it again, but I did a little bit of, um, a little bit of extra credit for this one, and I watched a little bit of Sleepless in Seattle, because, for me, the setup seems like Sleepless in Seattle, like, but that one's telephones and this one's internets. And I know Sleepless in Seattle was like first and it's one of those like classic movies. And they're way different than I thought they were. Like they're they're almost not the same movie to the point where like this needs to be its own category. Like it's yeah, like Sleeps in Seattle for me feels like a classic rom-com. 
like you've got mail is like an AOL advertisement that went on for an hour and a half. <laughs> okay. That was a lot. So I want you guys to change my mind. I want to hear what you guys like about it, especially like Alan, you said you watch it every once in a while and you love this. Like I want to do that, that, that halfway twist where I'm wrong, but I'll, I'll go into my stuff later too. I think I, I think I, I might be able to get you there. Okay, good. I'm Let's a little it. worried. I might not this time, but we'll <laughs> see. Um, Ryan, what are your thoughts on you've got mail? Cause I know you and I talked about this afternoon when we were switching out a battery in my wife's car. Yeah. Um, the, You've got mail. It's entertaining. I like it. Um, I def. I'm. What you have with you've got mail. I have with sleepless in Seattle. Oh. So. It's one of. It's. The. It's hard to say. Like I like it, but it's not a movie that I go for. In all honesty. Um, and I, I think that has to do with more of the humor of it and kind of what Devin is a little bit talking about, about the um, the way one of the characters starts to act like halfway through the film. But but we'll get into that since we're just doing general like overviews. But I mean, it's a good Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan movie. I mean, they've got great chemistry and they make the movie. I would love to see them do one more film together. Like now. Yeah. They meet up in a senior home. And like, (laughs) they'll both be new to Instagram and he'll slide into her DMS or something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the whole, the whole premise of this movie is based on off of the film shop around the corner, which came out in 1940 and star starred, Margaret Sullivan and James Stewart. Jimmy Stewart. Whoa, 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 whoa she here. Like, Isn't Jimmy that the Stewart. name of the store? Yes, it is. Oh, so it, it's like an thing. homage to that. So I think where you're getting this fantasy world idea and how it doesn't take place. Like, this is a story that, that was created in the 1940s for old Hollywood. And then it was made a musical nine years later starring Julie Garland. It was a Julie Garland musical? Yes, called... In, in the good old summertime. And is it so about, is, like, a bookstore taking over another bookstore and them falling in love? It, the the musical one has to do with a music shop because... Oh. Yeah. Because it's a musical. Um, so I, I feel like that's... Like, the root of this story is, like, a classic Hollywood story. So whimsical, magical story. To, like, not real magic, but, like, hy- hyper-reality. <laughs> Yeah, which a lot is of what that. you got in classic silver screen Hollywood. Well, I'm looking up like I looked up shop around the corner and just like clicked over to the images tab and like it's almost shot for shot. Like when they're back to back in the coffee shop, like that's in this and like like the store looks almost the same. Like it's so kind of cool. I mean, it, it is a remake using instead of writing letters to each other, they were they were pen pals in that film. And this oh. one, it's. Email the AOL chat room. In fact, uh, now that hmm. you know, now that you say that, I didn't know this. Um, but the first thing that came to my mind was the grandfather talking about how he had a pen pal with yeah. some yeah. lady that owned the store, and it wound up being like her mother 
or her grandmother. So I feel like that's almost kind of like a, kind of like an underhanded, hey, you know, like this is the continuation of that story or, or you know, or, or like something along those lines. Yeah, I never knew almost, that this was a remake until just now. Almost, almost like, hey, this is a, a semi-sequel to that story, but it's not really. Yeah. And see, it was in Seattle is the same way. Oh, is it? Yes. What's the film that that one's? We have an audience today. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, okay. Uh, I, I wanted to make sure it was correct. I knew. I just wanted to make sure I got the name right. Uh, Sleep in Seattle is the same idea, same premise as An Affair to Remember. It's a yeah. little bit different. They, they tweak it a little bit, but the whole meeting on top of the Empire State Building comes from that film. Yeah. So what Nora Ephron did a lot with these Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan movies is pay homage to these classic romance stories from old Hollywood. So what you're saying is that huh. George Clooney could take some pointers because that's <laughs> George Clooney. Cause it was the movie Leatherheads that he did. He was trying to do the same thing. Like he was trying to film a movie in modern time, but have like the, you know, thirties, forties, like feel to it. And it just flopped as a sports fan. It flopped. So I didn't realize George saying. Clooney was still making movies. I thought he was just selling alcohol now, like the rock. That was a, <laughs> the Leatherheads came out like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, now that you say that, like this does feel like an updated 30s, 40s movie. And a lot of it explains some of my problems. Can I get into yeah. can I get into problem number one? Let's get right into explains, it. Problem right, number one. Problem number one. Tom Hanks is a dick to every woman in this movie, and they are so charmed by it. And it <laughs> never stopped bothering me. Especially the scene where he was like, Hey, hey, it's Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Now you say it back. All right, zip, zap, zap. Now run that card, sweetie. And she's like, oh, oh, Mr. Hanks, right away. No, no, no she wasn't you, charmed. She, she was I thought pissed. she looked charmed. Was she? She no, looked charmed. I know that actress. She's from Grey's oh. Anatomy. She was oh, pissed. Really? She, yeah, no. She, she, she was just standing there like, what? Are you serious? Like, she, she had the look on her face of a normal cashier who's pissed off but can't say anything. Hey, look, Ryan and I both know from years of retail experience. Yeah, I know that face. Well, like, so, okay, as as people who are in retail, what would you have done if Tom Hanks came up and was like, hey, zip, zap, zap, just run this card? Like, would you have just been like, back of the line, get out of the store? With a, with a line like that, with it being Thanksgiving, you just get them out of the store. You just run the card. You run yeah. the card. Wow. She should have run the card first thing. As yeah, soon as people understand. started to chirp at her, she should yeah. have ran the card. She was just being a hard ass. Yeah, I don't understand why on Thanksgiving a store would have a cash only line. I feel yeah. like it's easier to just do card. But like story, a, story's got a story. Like it, it's a plot device for the. It's also yeah. nice. It's also 1998. So I mean, I don't, I don't really remember a lot about grocery shopping with my parents in 1998. But I'm sure there. Maybe there might have been extra charges that, you know, you know what I mean? Like maybe the, the grocery store had to pay 10 cents on every charge or something. Who knows? I mean, this, this might be a weird opinion and a sta- weird stance to take, but grocery stores in New York are weird. But no, they're, they're yeah. Uh, <laughs> there, I said it. No one has the guts to say it, but I finally <laughs> did. No one's uh, talking about this see, but us. I always looked at that scene as like – she is kind of charmed by him and it is kind of confusing, but like afterwards she's so pissed at Meg Ryan. Like I feel like Meg Ryan came across as the bad guy in that more than, than he did in that scene alone. 
Oh, she did. And I think she was supposed to. Like, I think a lot of it, a lot of that part of the movie was Meg Ryan finally kind of finding this power in her to say what she's always wanted to say, Mm -hmm. but only thought about in bed. Like, there's a lot about, like, or, you know, later. That sounded weird with the way I said it. Um, (laughs) But, like, that's, yeah. And and I, I appreciate that, like, that thing of her. But, like, I think the other part that got me was Tom Hanks, like, like the song oh sign seal delivers comes on he comes up with flowers he goes into her apartment when she's sick and is like touching her mouth and sitting in bed with her and like they don't like each other they're still enemies but he's just like here comes the charm at that part though she's like half and half is I don't know, man. I mean, for her at that point, they're still enemies. At that point, he knows that they've been having this months long relationship over the Internet. Yeah. So he's like um, he's like sign seal delivered. He's he's there. He's there for it. She's not there yet because she has no clue, even though he's like dropping hints from the get go. Like watching it this time, my wife and I were talking about like. He's trying to make it obvious that he's supposed to be meeting her at the coffee shop. Mm-hmm. And she yeah. just doesn't – she's so mad at him, he, she doesn't pick up on any of the clues that he drops. So like and even he, in the coffee shop, like with the yeah. rose. Yeah. It's subtle, but it's there. Like if you r- listen to what he says, like even when he walks into the apartment and gives her the daisies, she's like, they're my favorite flower. He's like, yeah, you told me. Like, it's little things yeah. like that. They didn't have that conversation. That's from their emails. And then she looks a little confused, and then she just no. goes with it because no, she just I, figures that. I mean, because I don't I even mean, think she's conf- – I don't think she's confused by it. I just don't think she's not – she's not li- – I just think she's not listening to him completely because she's so um, fogged by her hate of him. <laughs> well, okay. So this is when the movie took a turn for me because I went – he's like sitting there. She's in bed. He's in bed. He's got his hand on her mouth. I'm like, this is when he says, hey, guess what? I'm NYC159 or whatever. Uh, And he's just like, okay, bye. And then it turns into Catfish the documentary for 25 (laughs) minutes. And then there's a second of them together at the end. And that's not what I thought this movie was going to be. I thought it was going to be him being like, I am. He's like, hey, do you want to know my apartment number? Or like, I don't know, like slip, like, like be more obvious about it. And she's like, I was with you the whole time because she's sick. And then they like sickingly make out or something. And that's how the movie ends. And I was so confused when he was like, like, there's like all these scenes like, what if it's the number of, you know, pimples on his butt? What if it's the number of felonies he has or kids he has? And I'm like, are you just. Are Do you, you know just, what he's doing in that moment? Do you want to know what he's doing me- in that moment? He's messing with her. He's, no. Well, I mean, yes, no? he's messing with her, but he's showing her his sense of humor because in person, he, he never had the opportunity to be the goofball, you know, like no walls person that he was in the emails. So he was giving her that chance to get to know him physically, to get over the fact that she hates him because he knows that he knows that she doesn't like him. So he needs to break down her walls so that when she finds out that it's him, she doesn't have a like a um, a bad reaction to it. Because think about it, even though that this is a rom-com and even though, Mm -hmm. yes, it's the whimsical and kind of cheesy, realistically, the level of disappointment and hate that she has for him, even when he's in the apartment, if he would have said, I'm this person, she, 
she would have went off and thought that he was just, you know, bullying her. I, I think he says it best in the email. He's like, I've got a pro I, we need to meet, but I'm working on a project that needs tinkering. Yes. He's tinkering, tinkering with her to get her to see him as a viable candidate. And it all leads up to that scene on the street where he's like, you can forgive that guy for standing you up, but you can't forgive me for this one little thing of putting you out of business. Like it's just trying to get her to see him in a better light than the one that she started off seeing and it's having a hard time getting rid of like yeah. that for, first impressions are key. And his first impression is like, Terrible. Oh, you're trying, you're, you're trying to shut down my store and stop taking all the caviar. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think the, my biggest problem with that was that he called it a project that needs tinkering. Like that reads very much like if you guys know the book, the game by Neil Strauss, like it, Oh, it's oh, it's terrible. I mean, it's where like the term negging came from. If you guys are aware of what that is, like it's it's all about like socially manipulating women into like wanting or thinking you're more interesting. It's it's a gross book. It's a gross book for gross people. But um, it, it felt very much like that where he's like, OK, I'm going to tell her, but I got to fix her perception of me. Let me socially engineer her thoughts on me for a while. OK, so the part for me where, again, I'm about like halfway to where you are. Okay. This part where he's doing this type of stuff. But mm -hmm. the reason why I don't go fully over to your side on this thing is because he knows that she already likes the person that he is through the email. He just yeah. needs to get her to see that that is him before it's revealed that it is him because she hates him so much in person. That's yeah. why the whole like project for tinkering thing so that he has stuff to he knows that they're going to joke about what he says in the email. So I feel that he puts things in a certain way so that he can, like, be himself with like the whole, you know, like, you know, it's like the 152 thing with his email and he's going off about like pimples and stitches and, yeah. and all of this other stuff. It's to give him material to bounce off of to show that he has that sense of humor. That's the thing. This th this this film is built up to where if it's revealed any earlier than it is that it's him, there's still a chance that she's not going to take it, you know, the 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 right way. There'll be too much of an inconsistency between who he she thinks he is in in real life and who he is yes. in letters. Yes. I think if I stopped looking at is him trying to is is him working on him around her and not him working on her around him. I think that's that's yeah. that switch that I need to flip in my mind to make that seem less creepy. I think he's yeah. trying. He does, to, sorry, Alan. He's, he definitely has a, his own growth throughout this whole thing. Because the first scene with him and his father and the grandfather in the office, they're talking about, oh, yeah, this business, like, we're going to take them down. Like, oh, well. Their loss or gain. Like, yeah. He doesn't look at it as anything. But then when he does close down the shop and he brings her the flowers, he does say – like he is sorry that he had to close her business because it mm -hmm. became personal for him. Even though he says it's not personal, it became a little personal for him because he got to know her a little bit and knew what she was going through th from the emails. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I, I, I totally understand that part. I – 
I don't know. I just, for some reason, I just kept getting very creepy vibes from him. And I think it just was either like me not understanding his personal story and like where he was really going with it or just the movie taking this left that I didn't expect it to take. And then me just trying to be along for what the movie was after that. See, that's why I don't expect things. I don't, I don't want things. I don't expect them. I don't wish for things for certain characters. And if I do, it's not that important because I didn't make the film. I'm waiting to find out. So like, I'm not expecting a movie to go a certain way when I'm watching it, especially when I've never seen before. So speaking of at the very end, she goes, he reveals that it's him. He's there with his dog. And and sh- her words are, I was hoping it was you. Do you think that's a realistic response to that if you were to do that nowadays? Or do you think that, like, that that's kind of like a fabricated, like, well, this had to end this way because of the rom-com kind of thing? And, and this is, I mean, it's for both of you. Like, what do you think? Like, would you, like, if you were Meg Ryan, would you be mad that this guy was going through all of these ups and downs with you? Because there were times he was like patently antagonistic to her while writing her very sweet emails. Like, and that has to feel weird, but I understand that he then worked to reverse that. But like, how much does that history matter to you? Like, is that how you would react? Like, I think at the end of it, the, she says from the get go, like when he first arrives at the apartment that she mm-hmm. is falling for this guy in the emails. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's slowly revealing to her that it's him. Like, I don't think it's all at once. I think yeah. from that moment in the apartment where he puts her, his hands on her lips and tells her to stop talking before she says something, she'll regret the rest of her life. I think that's when the idea pops in her head. Maybe it's him. Mm-hmm. And like the rest of it is, I don't think it's all at once. I think it's, Slowly, she gets the idea. Like maybe it's just a wild thought. Like maybe he's N- NYC one five two. Yeah. Like I think it's a slow process, and then it's it's just like a it, it's like he incepted her. Like it's it's just inception. <laughs> he planted the idea that it's her, and it just grew and grew and grew until it's like I really want it to be him now. And mm-hmm. then you get that moment where he comes up with the dog, and she's like, "I want it to be you so bad because." It's been infecting her brain. Mm. And that's so why long. and that's why I take it as that's the way that it would that's the way it should end. It has nothing to do with it being a rom com because of everything we've been talking about for the past like fifteen minutes. He was building it up to make sure that she understood that it was him the whole time and that he was being sincere. And besides, he said, like if you ever feel bad about something you do when it comes to work or business, you just got to remember it's not personal. Yeah. Now, personally me, I think that whole mentality is complete shit. But anyway, for the purposes <laughs> of Tom Hanks, and Meg Ryan in this movie, like it's something that people actually believe in. So I, I mean, there's I always think, that. I, I'm going to disagree with you. I think it's a shitty stance. I don't think it's complete shit though. Um, if you're in the business of building a series of bookstores, you have to do what's best for your business and you might hurt other businesses along the way, but you got to do what's best for you and your business. Okay. I'll put it to you this way. 
everybody that I've ever known who I've ever heard say that turned out to be really shitty people. Yeah, I'm sure they are. (laughs) I'm just saying I get the stance. I get the mentality. You've got to, you know, if you're in business, you've got to, you know, have the realization you're going to put other people out of business, especially if you're successful. But at the same time, it's one of those things where it's like anybody who have actually ever heard actually say that and ended up to be really crappy people. So, I mean, that's just my experience with it. Well, that's the one thing is this this movie is kind of like a bit of a love letter to capitalism. Like, yes, her <laughs> shop, her shop definitely closes down and that's definitely sad, but they also frame her closing down as a brave thing and a chance to start a new business in this capitalist economy. And Tom Hanks at all is like definitely viewed as like, Hey, good for them. Like they can do this. jokes on him though. By 2015, I'm sure Fox books closed as well. Oh, well, yeah. that's that's the sequel. I've got mail where he falls in love with Jeff Bezos, who's been catfishing him for a whole movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, but was he really wait. catfishing? No, he wasn't. But it's funnier to phrase it like okay. that. I mean, yeah. he was just they were. I knew you were going to say that too. I, I knew you. Were, I knew you were going to say it was catfishing. You know my love of of Neve. Wait, I don't forget his last name, but you know my love of Neve and the catfish TV show. So of course I'm going to bring it in. Um, you know they filmed an episode of that in Chambersburg? What? Yeah. I need to watch it now. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay, so I had another question because, again, I haven't watched a lot of rom-coms. And this one actually didn't do something that I figured was tropey and rom com And for me, like, this one and Sleepless in Seattle, like I said, extra credit, um, are kind of like two of the quintessential rom-coms. Like the Tom Hanks, yes. Meg Ryan. Like, these are the ones people go to again and again. And... Like, they are together in these movies for, like, two minutes. Like, I thought they'd get together, like, halfway through, and then we'd see some relationship. Like, is that me not understanding what rom-coms are, or is this special kind for the of. genre? <laughs> kind of? Yeah. No. Okay, so did you watch all of Sleepless in Seattle, or did you just watch some of it? I watched up until the part where she is going to go meet him on the... Um, on the roof of the Empire State Building. And then Romana read to me a fact that they have an entire or they have exactly two minutes of on screen time together in Sleepless in Seattle. And that reflected just about what you've got mail was. Okay. So the good for me personally, the good mm-hmm. romantic comedies, um it's like all the setup type deal. And okay. you know, it's all of the craziness between their lives of like how they meet. And then when they meet, it's like towards the end of the film. Now, and then you have other types of romantic comedies where they do meet in the middle. And those are the ones that I'm like kind of wishy-washy on. Um, except for films, then you got like Pretty Woman and and, mm. and Runaway Bride where they meet almost at the beginning. Um, and then it's the whole relationship stuff back and forth. But I mean, there's two different types. I mean, there's multiple different types of doing it. Um Wait, Alan, the main thing about rom-coms is the meet cute. And I think one of the big things with sleep in Seattle is that meet cute doesn't happen until the very end. Yeah. But it's a lot of setup. It's the kid calling into the radio station, her listening Mm -hmm. and then (laughs) everything that had like her going and and spying on him. And then like, it's all this stuff getting up to that moment. Like it's building to this moment of them meeting. You've got mail they meet early on and they're enemies. And then it's building to 
him revealing to her that he's the one that she's been emailing all this time. So like the very end is their meet cute in the start of their actual relationship. But here's the thing. They totally have a meet cute when they first meet. Like when he's like in that bookstore, he's like F O X like that whole sequence. Like they're so into it. Yeah. But that's not the start of the relationship there. Like that's, that's a moment. And then he like, Instead of building on that moment, he brings it back down when she finds out that he's Joe Fox. Mm-hmm. Like, and then like the the relationship doesn't go up; it goes down from there. Like, it's just chaos and going to the mattresses and all this uh, havoc uh, and hatred towards each other until he finds out who she really is. Um, but. Devin, I have a question for you since okay. you watched most of Sleep in Seattle. Yeah. Who do you think is creepier, Meg Ryan in that film or Joe Fox in this film? Oh, definitely Meg Ryan in that film. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, she doesn't even know him. She just heard his voice on the radio. And it's like, okay. she's like, I'm obsessed. I'm like, no, you're, no, you're not. Sorry. But then again, you don't have the, the scene with her in the meeting completely absent minded. And oh, yeah. completely ignoring what the two guys are saying. Or was it her hiding in the kitchen closet with the radio? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I mean, like, that's that's the, the, the thing. Like, you've got to take, I mean, like, yes. To me, personally, romantic comedy, where one of the people are already inside a relationship with somebody who actually works with them. You know, like... I understand that's the whole thing, like true love, you know, it's like, oh, like I'm with somebody and I'm happy, but I'm not with the right person, like mm-hmm. type deal. I find like that's a little like crappy, a little uh-huh. like, hey, you know, you've got somebody good. Like, why are you destroyed? You know, like whatever. But still, um, it's just there are things that happen in these movies that you can't really do with any other genre. And it's funny. And that's where this comes from. And I don't know. I think... Is relationship stuff just something that you don't really find funny or so, or or like stuff that really shouldn't be like taken lightheartedly? Like, is this that isn't... one of the reasons why you have this like idea about yeah, so like, this is, rom-coms? This, this is going to get super deep in, in into into what goes on in my mind and it's going to get real kind of ugly for a sec. But like I hated when I was. I mean, younger up until probably late 20s, I hated anything to do with relationships. Like, if it was a movie that had to do with a relationship, I did not want to watch it. If it was a song that was about a relationship or falling in love, I wouldn't listen to it. Like, I had such a strong, like, adverse, like, reaction to everything that had to do with relationships that, like, I would just like this, oh, this, like, awful curmudgeon about all of this stuff. And now I'm allowing myself to let this kind of media back in. And I'm I'm figuring out that I was wrong and very close-minded with a lot of stuff. But, like, it's just – you can tell there's still a couple of holdovers from it. Like, yeah. So, like, you never listen to bands like Census Fail or Hawthorne Heights or any of the emo bands then when you were in high school. <laughs> if they talked about, like, uh. like, love that was unrequited or, like, love that failed, oh, yeah, give me that. But like you would like, have hated I, Silverstein. <laughs> I don't I, I guarantee you I would have. But like <laughs> I so I remember specifically and this is going to make me sound like the worst kind of person for a minute. But I was really into Dave Matthews band for a while. I know. Um, so <laughs> but he had this one album that came out and I liked this one song so much 
But the point of it was just, isn't love great? Guys, love's great. And I had to stop listening to it once I realized what the lyrics were, even though I really liked the song. Because like, no, the message in this is terrible. And like, I, oh, it is, I forget. Hold on, I'll, I'll look it up. But um, it, it was like, I had such a bad reaction to just the point of the song that that in itself was enough to like, for me not to listen to it. Okay, I mean, it, that I, I figured it was something along those lines as to why you kind of felt the way you did. Especially, it's always been in my head, and I know we talked about it to death, so I don't want to restart the discussion. But yeah. Marriage Story, and then yeah. and then and then and then it was like your reaction to Marriage Story, and then you and Romana had the conversation about you know like how you took Marriage Story and uh-huh. how you said that you two talked about it before coming on and doing the podcast, and then we took like half of it to, to try to explain to you that like a rom com is different than Marriage Story, but then you yeah. were saying no, I get that, but this is what I want from a rom com. Uh-huh. Like I can, I there had to have been something. There had to have been something <laughs> in your background as to why you kind of see things the way you do with this. So, and the deep dive into that right now, we have Devin's girlfriend from high school. <laughs> hey, here she is. Oh no. <laughs> uh, she would be just a delight. Okay, so, um, but no, I mean, you're you're totally right, and like, okay. I think a lot of it is me not allowing myself to. It's still that holdover. It's me not allowing myself to just be like. You know, the overall message of this story is greater than the sum of its parts and is greater than the little nitpicky shit that I have with it. Where, like, sometimes Tom Hanks's tone doesn't come off right in a scene and he seems a little bit weird. You know, I think it's super weird that she got a username of just Shop Girl and not Shop Girl 1938 or something like that. Good for her. Hey, it was the 90s. Like, AOL was, she got the trial early and she was able to get that that username. My my oh, my was it my original aim handle uh-huh. was redbird no numbers i didn't have wow. to capitalize anything my first attempt at it it took that's amazing see also, i added numbers to my first like username but just because of lost so oh, yeah then that totally <laughs> makes sense uh, i also did my research before the podcast yeah. and uh shop girl the username is still available on facebook and tumblr no numbers, just shop girl. So uh, if anyone wants to grab that, do it. I'm going who does, to who does just you, in spite. You should. Who does usernames on Facebook though? Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know how that works. Did you? Is there like a website where you can look up names? It is. Like, yeah, it's, oh, that's uh, cool. What is it? Is namecheck.com, and it'll show you domain names, uh, new domain extensions, and social usernames that or social user or sites. So, like, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and whether or not that username's taken or not. I'll never uh, need it, but that's cool. This episode brought to you by Namecheck.com. <laughs> Namecheck.com. <laughs> where we found you have to watch this podcast available everywhere. <laughs> um, yeah, so back to the point I was making a little earlier. I'm, I'm glad to know that some rom-coms do it this way because I actually think I like it a little bit more. Um that like the whole episode, the whole episode, the whole movie is the buildup because I genuinely don't think I like the trope of they have the meet cute at like at the end of act one, act two, they get together. The end of act two is a breakup. And then the end of act three, they get back together. I don't think I like that. And that's what I was expecting. Because do I just, you, the do stakes, you have the, Oh, go ahead. 
Do you have the breakup with the store closing at the end of Act Two? I guess that would count as a story. It would definitely count as a store closing in this one. But like, <clears throat> I feel like the capitalism, stakes... a love story. <laughs> but for real, <laughs> I just I feel like the stakes of a rom com breakup are nothing. Like the end of a rom com isn't going to be. I learned to live without them, and my life is fine. I think Five Hundred Days of Summer isn't or does that. And like yeah. that's what makes it cool. I don't know. I've never seen the movie, but like, I know they're gonna get back together in the end. And like, that's the point of the rom com. I mean, th- there are exceptions to that rule. Five hundred days of summer being that. Yeah. Uh, but then he meets Autumn, and it's all good. <laughs> is I'm that even is that real? That's how that movie ends. Son of a <laughs> bitch! I hate it so much. <laughs> okay, so, so that, oh, sure. and that's the guy they gave Spider Man to after Sam Raimi. That director. <laughs> okay, so I think you would like dark, uh, like not rom com specifically, but but uh, but like dark comedy roms. Probably, I like dark comedy a lot. So, like one one uh, one movie that comes on the top of my head because Chris and I were, were talking about you know movies to bring up because mm-hmm. she she likes rom coms like uh-huh. she, she does, and so I was talking to her about it, and this is a movie that we will probably never do for the podcast, but but you know, P.S. I love you. That's not uh-huh. necessarily a rom com, but there is humor in it that I know will fit you, and it's darker. It's a lot darker than your typical rom-com. But I feel like movies like that, that have to do with the relationship, but aren't necessarily your classic, like, you know, The Holiday, um, Pretty Woman, like stuff like that. I feel like movies like P.S. I Love You would be more your alley. I mean, I mean, maybe. Oh, so I did want to get into that. So we talked to death about the rom part of this movie and like i knew that i would because like that's the part that like i would butt up against the most how did you guys <laughs> feel about the com part of the movie like what did you i mean Chappelle was in this movie yeah did you expect dave Chappelle to show up in this not even a little bit i was so shocked that Chappelle was in the movie and this is before the Chappelle show mm-hmm. yeah he seemed really young much. in this but yeah, th- this movie has a great supporting cast. Greg Kinnear, Parker Posey, Steve Zahn, uh, Gene Stapleton, Kristen Dabney really, Coleman. Kristen really likes him in Sahara. Oh, Sahara is yeah. such a good movie. <laughs> At least the, it was the one time I saw it. Oh, Kristen owns it. We used to watch that like every month. I, I love it. I, I could not watch that movie more. <laughs> no, I Yeah, did I say that right? In the right meaning? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh, you definitely did. Okay. <laughs> I was told it's going to be the new Indiana Jones, and then I didn't watch it out of spite. Who told you that? I think my dad did. I don't know. It's someone okay. along the way. They you were like, to, this okay. is Indiana Jones part two. And I'm like, no. If somebody ever says something that sounds ridiculous, just <laughs> let it go and just see the movie anyway. Just be like, look, I know this isn't going to be the next Indiana Jones. It's a stupid statement. I'm still going to listen. I'm still going to watch this because it's going to be something. Oh, it's on my list. Don't worry. If I, had told, if I had told Devin, Devin, we're going to make you watch a rom-com with Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, and Dave Chappelle, you wouldn't have believed me. <laughs> I wouldn't have believed you, even for a second. So, so the one thing that it did that I liked – yeah is that they didn't just go, okay, guys, we have Dave Chappelle. We're just going to let him be Dave Chappelle, not interact with really the cast or the scenes, and just let him do Dave Chappelle bits, and then we'll cut away from him. 
they he he fit the plot. He had a purpose for the plot, and I liked that because I think I've seen too many movies that they bring in the famous comedian at the time. They're like, I don't know, do the bit about cheese, and then he's like, Oh, what about cheese? And then like, okay, back to our serious story. And I like, like that if, they didn't do that. It's like if Jim Gaffigan showed up, he'd have to bring a pot pockets at one point. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't do that with Chappelle. He seemed like he was actually, I mean, not to be worried about it, he seemed like he was actually acting. Yeah, <laughs> no. I, and I think Greg, this is like one of the first movies Greg Kinnear did, too, because he was just the guy from The Soup at the I, t- or Talk Soup. I'm going to be honest. I was so happy that Greg Kinnear was in this movie. And for me, he was the, he was the comedic center of this whole thing. Uh, and I don't know if you guys had the same thing, but he was my favorite comedic character here. Okay, who who is this? Who's that again? Greg Kinnear. Greg Kinnear. Um, he uh, Meg Ryan's original boyfriend, the one that they had the mutual breakup. Oh, him, yeah, yeah, the okay. one that like was so in love with himself, and he was like, "Oh, wait till the interview comes." Okay, you can turn it off now. <laughs> like that guy. Like he was the funniest part of this movie for me. He's he's an asshole in this movie, but he is hysterical. He's one of the he's the one quote that I make all the time. Is that the movies and where. Like before the movie, I always turned to my wife, like, a hot dog is dancing. You need quiet while a hot dog is dancing. <laughs> like, that's just. <laughs> so when we went to the drive ins this weekend, I was really hoping we'd get the dancing hot dog, but we didn't. Very disappointed. Uh, I, so, I take back what I said. He had been in several movies before this, including Sabrina and As Good As It Gets. So oh. I was wrong, but he was still on Talk Soup. So. So wait, was Greg Kinnear an asshole in this movie? Because, like, I just, I think. I, I understand he's pretentious. That, he's yes. very pretentious. He's very much a Yeah, he's very much a writer. And not just I mean, any writer. Like, <laughs> I mean, I've had people do exactly what he did, what he does. Like, I had a teacher or a professor one time who went, okay, this is a class on poetry. So to start the class, I want to read to you. Just a few words, I think, really encapsulates poetry. And then she opened her own book and read to us from a book she wrote. <laughs> I was so, like, I've had people Ugh. do that to me. And I just go, oh, academics. And just roll my eyes. Like, I don't, I know it's supposed to come across as douchey. But I think people just do that because no one else will read their shit otherwise. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I liked um, him. I was happy for him. Anybody else stick out to you guys? Who is the the father? Because he was familiar, but I couldn't place him. Dabney Coleman. Tom Hanks' father? Yeah, he's Dabney Coleman. You would know him from War Games? Yes. Nine to five? Yes, 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 yes. Actually, 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 those first two you mentioned, War Games first and then nine to five. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'd just read in the top four on IMDb. I skipped over yeah. You've Got Mail because you knew he was in that. <laughs> uh, He's good in war games. I really like him in war games. Never seen it. I know. We'll, oh, we'll, boy. We'll fix that at some point. You're missing his best movie, though. Recess School's Out. Did you guys, <laughs> did you guys recognize Gene Stapleton? Gene Stapleton. Birdie, the old like, woman at the uh, bookstore, the accountant. Uh-huh. I didn't know. Her voice was familiar. She was Edith Bunker on All in the Family. <gasps> that was Edith Bunker? Yep. Oh, I love that now. I got to go rewatch the movie for Edith Bunker. <laughs> I, le- I used to love that show with like 
an unhealthy like level. I hate like, it I, all. I hate it all in the family. I don't think I would like it now, but back in the day, oh yeah. As a kid, Archie, mm, no. He reminded me too too much of somebody I know, which I'll keep to myself for now. Okay. I get that. Uh, yeah. I think I was just charmed that there was someone named Sally Struthers in the cast, and I was like, maybe it's <laughs> me someday. <laughs> Devin, you can still change your name to Sally. I'm. It's not too late. We, we can start raising money for the surgery. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, maybe, maybe guys. Um, okay. So yeah, I, that, that brings up a good point that I wanted to bring up to you guys. Why was there a subplot in this movie about the dad's girlfriend at all? Cause in the, to the best of my knowledge, like the purpose, it, it ended with him moving in to a boat next to his son's boat. And he had a bigger boat, which just normalized him living on a boat. Was that it? I, I think the reason for that subplot is to get the dad and him on the boat together and talking mm -hmm. about relationships because his dad's gone through all these different marriages mm -hmm. and has never really settled down with anyone. And he says, have you ever been with anyone who made you feel that way? Because I know I have. And that's the moment where he that's where Stevie Wonder comes in with sign sealed delivered and he has the flowers. And he like, kicked, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, beyond that, I think it's just to show the world that he's coming from where like this is the family he grew up with where everyone's changing relationships. His he he's not happy in his relationship, but he's seen that with his father and his grandfather. So it's just the world that he knows. Whereas uh Kathleen Kelly, mm -hmm. she had her mother who loved her and loved everyone at the store, and then Birdie was there and like she was she was surrounded by love growing up. And mm -hmm. she doesn't have that with Greg Kinnear at all. Yeah, no. Um, so okay. I think it's just like a ju juxtaposition of their different backgrounds. Okay, so and to get and to get to that moment where he lights the fire and gets him ah. to yeah. <laughs> See what you did so, there. So the handful of times that I've seen this movie, Tom Hanks's original girlfriend in this is she like a publicist? Yes, she works in publishing. Okay, this is the first time after watching it four times that I've been able to like pinpoint what her actual job was because I can't stand her character. You're not supposed to. Like, I don't like like that type of personality that she had, like the whole thing of like being on the elevator. Like that would have caused me to end the relationship. So hold on. What happened on the elevator? Because I have this working theory in my mind that she's the only character we don't get an objective view on. And that she's the only character we see through Tom Hanks's eyes. But what happened on the elevator? Because I, I know they broke up on the elevator. And I know there was supposed to be an extended scene of the blonde lady in the elevator. Like, she had her own scene and backstory that got cut. But yeah. I forget what happened on the elevator. So in the elevator, everyone's going around saying, like, the, the blonde woman on the elevator. When I get off, I'm going to call my mom. It's yeah. been years. The uh, elevator attendant's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to marry this girl. Like, I love her. Why not? And then Parker Posey is just like, I'm going to get my eyes lasered. And then Tom Hanks goes to talk and then she cuts him off. Oh. And, he, and that's the moment where he's like, I'm not happy with this. Yeah. Like I'm not in, I, he has the same realization that Meg Ryan has with Greg Kinnear. It's not where he wants to be when he has his other relationship online that he is happy with. Okay. 
Because that, yeah, yeah. Because to me, it's one of those things. And the reason why I said it'd be over for me too is that she's not just so self-absorbed that, like, she's self-absorbed. That's true. Right. But it's the fact that like everybody's going through saying the stuff that's important. She says it. He's about to say it, and she doesn't have the forethought to let her to let him say it. Okay. Like it's taking those social cues and being respectful enough to give somebody their time. And she just wouldn't. And it was him. And it was like, nah, that's it. This is done. Like, this is not the type of person I want to be associated with. That makes sense. I think the reason that I was very like on her side for a bit is the first scene. They were like, I, she's like, Oh, I have a thing tonight. And he's like, Oh, not another charity event. And I'm like, are you being mean about charities? Oh, he What's was being sarcastic. Oh, okay. Because I was like, that seems like a perfectly nice thing for her to do. And you're being that, terrible about this. That bled sarcasm. That bled typical relationship sarcasm. Just like sarcasm. That. I think I think the reason it threw me off as not being sarcastic is because it was juxtaposed, or I, I guess it was juxtaposed off of this very sincere, very eloquent letter that he had written. And then it shows him being like, ah, charity. And I'm like, everything he says is so truthful. And like, just didn't catch the tonal shift of like, well, this is sarcastic now. Because they joke about it then. And she does the whole like hug, like hump thing, like on the kitchen chair. And he's like, yeah. oh, fine. fine. Like, that's all joking. Like, that's all humor. Them that's all relationship like, fun. humor. Yeah. yeah. Which you can tell he was an annoyed by, too, at the same time. Yeah. I, I did like the ending for the the like the the couples like they didn't seem like they ended as messy as they could have. Um, and it was it made it clean. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Meg Ryan and Greg Kinnear having a mutual breakup with like, you don't like me. I don't like you. <laughs> like, no way that's happening in real life. But like, no, I've known do- people who've had breakups like that. Have you really? Yes. There are two people that I that I still uh, that I have minimal contact with mm. that I went to high school with. And both of them were in like pretty like, you know, like what you would consider a senior high school graduating to be like a pretty substantial relationships. And, and within mm-hmm. a year, they were both done. But I found out that like it was a mutual split. It was just no hard feelings, nothing. It was just we've outgrown each other or we're going in two different directions and that yeah nothing messy wow it happens like that's the thing like this stuff does happen yeah i guess i just uh i guess i just i've never experienced that it's always been like yeah this is totally fine i i'm so happy with this and then just like months of depression like it's never just been like oh isn't this quirky we're in a chili's like it's never been like that <laughs> well, i feel god in this chili chili's tonight <laughs> Uh, so I had a realization watching this movie tonight. Okay. Um, I Looking at his IMDb, I think this is the last time Tom Hanks played an everyman. Oh, yeah? Um, because after this, like, Tom Hanks has done a lot of biopics in the last few years. I don't know if you guys have noticed. Oh, yeah. It's been almost uh-huh. nothing but biopics. Um, which he's good but at. Af- after this, it's Green Mile, which has the whole mystical element to it um road to perdition 
Catch Me If You Can. Like, all of his characters are elevated beyond just a guy. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> he's an FBI agent. He's, maybe, I guess the best example, I guess the w- one example that comes after this is the terminal where he's just a guy stuck in an airport. Oh, uh, yeah, but even that's that, right. Even that's based <laughs> on a real story. Oh, that just um, reminds <laughs> But everything else is like heightened and not in every every man. Like it's not just a your average Joe Joe Fox F O X. Well done. Um, and I think that's part of the reason that why this movie, why I I like this movie so much is it, it's Tom Hanks being normal. Tom Hanks, like not elevated, not being Walt Disney or uh, Sully Sullenberg. Like, it's just Tom Hanks as an actual human being. Or Mr. You know, Rogers. <laughs> you know, maybe that's it. Maybe, like, maybe that's why I have such a, like, a, a problem or had such a hard time with this movie. Because Tom Hanks, I've always seen in a movie, is just the paragon of good. Like, he is the unequivocal moral center of every movie I think I've seen him in. Uh, like, have you seen Turner? Uh, Turner and Hooch? Yeah. Is it him and a dog? Yes. No, I haven't seen that one. Okay, the fact that you're saying that, like, you've only seen him as, like, the more, you know, like, that, I need, that's a, I, I slowly, yeah. slowly, over the next, like, two years, I am going to throw at you all, almost all of his early stuff. Good, do it. The foundation of his career, because he plays some pretty funny people yeah. who have issues. <laughs> Because yeah, I'm not he does a good job at it. I mean, I love Devin, his older stuff. Devin, two words for you. Yeah. Bosom buddies. What is that from? Oh man. Oh I'm, my god. D- Ryan, don't tell him. I'm just gonna send him the link. I'm not. No, 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 don't 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 look it up. Don't I was gonna look it up. Look it up. Okay, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I don't I don't Actually, know no, what that's no, from. No, 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 no. Go ahead and look up. Yeah. Go to YouTube, type in bosom buddies intro. Yes. I just want to. We're gonna get your reaction to what okay. bosom buddies is on the show. Wait, it's a right now. it's a thing. Yes, just just, bosom, just yeah. Look it up. I'm watching it. <laughs> <laughs> For the audience at home, if you don't know, bosom buddies is a sitcom from the seventies, eighties, uh, where Tom Hanks and Peter Scapelli. Uh, Cross-dressed to get into an apartment. Like, they just pretend to be women. Oh, yep, there they are. Wow. Oh, boy. He's he's Mrs. Doubtfire level believable as a woman. (laughs) This is... (laughs) (laughs) Hello! What? Is this a sitcom? It's a sitcom. How many many seasons does this have? Let me look. (laughs) It ran from 1980 to 1982. Wow. That's too long. Two seasons. We don't normally like do or plan movies like this, yeah. but I'm going to give you three movies I do not want you to watch until okay. we do them on the cast. Okay. Okay. Tuner and Hooch. Tuner and Hooch. That one. Okay. The Burbs. Okay. And Money Pit. Okay. Done. I do not want you watching or looking up those three movies until we do them on the podcast. Yeah, because I mean, now that we're talking about it, that seems like exactly why like I had such a problem and thought Tom Hanks was so mean because I'm not used to him being anything but an angel in every movie he's in. <laughs> like, I mean, in, like in the Saving Mr. Banks, like he's an ultra capitalist. And I guess sometimes he's kind of the bad guy because, you know, they're taking her father figure away and, and bastardizing him. But like, I haven't even seen 
you're on his side the whole time. That's my next question. Yeah. Have you not seen a league of their own? Isn't he just great in that? I don't know. No, he's the, he's the, there's no crying in baseball. Like that's Tom Hanks. Yeah. I, I, I must not have seen that movie. He has a redemption story in it, but he's, I mean, he pisses in a sink when he first walks in on a team full of women. I mean, who hasn't? (laughs) I mean, we all have. (laughs) Here's my, so here's my, my thing about that. I bet you when I was watching it, because remember, this is like, I watched it in like, cynical Devin era like where where i'm not trying to like expand my horizons i probably went yeah another baseball movie why are you making me watch this and then like i was probably watching it with people that love this movie and everybody probably shouted there's no crying in baseball whenever he said it too and i'm like oh he's the funny guy got it and like didn't understand that there was a redemption story or that he was being a jerk just that he's being exactly what those women need in order for them to be the best them they could be no, Before, they pretty much had to run the team themselves because he was like, like, uh, blackout drunk for like the first couple games they play. Oh, don't remember that. Not even a little bit. <laughs> yeah, before, before he won the Oscar, before he was America's dad, he was like America's hyper, sometimes drunk cousin that <laughs> yeah. just shows up at the yes. family reunion and makes a scene. I mean, this puts him in a more interesting context for this movie then, because I can see Hyper sometimes drunk cousin playing a believable version of of Mr. Fox in here. This is the Tom Hanks that Kristen and I love. The younger, earlier, you know, characters that he played because he's goofy and he has his problems, but there is redemption to it. But where he's gotten to in his career It's what makes, you know, it what makes him what he is when he plays Mr. Rogers and when he's, you know, playing Sully and and all this other stuff. I mean, and that's I mean, yes, that's a good point. I just I don't think I like I walked into his career at the right time, I guess. Like I you walked in on the right time. I I don't think I walked in at the right time. I, I don't I didn't walk into a time in his career where he played nuanced characters. I think yeah. the most nuanced is, didn't I watch, was he everyone in Cloud Atlas? Yes. He, yes. I think that's the most acting I've seen him do. Oh, you're going to love the three movies I'm, uh, I'll be throwing at you. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I mean, You don't like his acting when he plays himself in the Simpsons movie? He was in the Simpsons movie? Yeah, I'm Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. If you see me in public, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> And that's how they predicted the coronavirus. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, it was perfect. I absolutely love that part when <laughs> when he's in the Simpsons movie. <laughs> oh, I got to watch that movie again. Dang. He's in it real quick. Still? I just know him as like the guy that like posts pictures of missing shoes and gloves on Instagram. Plus, sometimes he acts, which is obviously the wrong way to look at him. Um, I want to talk about Meg Ryan's career. Let's go ahead. since this movie, but I haven't really seen anything that she's been in since this. I movie. can give you my favorite movie that I that I think that she's ever done. Okay, what is it? Uh, Courage Under Fire, which happens to also be another Denzel Washington movie. <laughs> well, that's before this. This is that's oh. '90s Meg Ryan. Okay, so. but still, it's my favorite film that she's done. Okay. 
besides, I mean, it, it's when it comes to Meg Ryan and movies that I like with her in it, it is uh, Courage Under Fire and then Sleepless in Seattle and then probably this. Okay. And then the music video from Google, from the Google Dolls for uh, the what? Angel movie that she was City in. of Angels? City of Angels. <laughs> Iris? Iris, yes. There we go. She's yeah. in the music video for Iris? She's in City of Angels, which is – that's from the soundtrack for. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. And yeah. the music video for the, the song. Video too. Yeah. Oh. The music video of Iris that was made for the movie – has clips of the movie in it. Oh, yeah, that's it, when they did that a lot. So she's, they used to do that yeah. a lot. So she's in the music video, and I like the music video better than I like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite movies of her, besides <sighs> You've Got Mail, is uh, Kate and Leopold, where Hugh Jackman time travels to the future from, like, the 1800s and falls in love with Meg Ryan in 2001. I was going to say, because I saw that in her, her oh IMDb list, and I thought that was supposed to be a really good movie. It is. I highly recommend the director's cut. And if we can ever find a way for all three of us to watch it, that's we're going to do that on the show. But the director's cut is the version of that movie you need to see. Uh, I would like to see that. I think that would be fun. So then I'll switch up my order. It is the Iris music video. And then it's Caden Leopold and then it's City of Angels. OK, I didn't I didn't know she was the voice of Dr. Blight on Captain Planet and the Planeteers. That's amazing. I didn't know yeah. that either. she was the voice of the one villain. Yeah. Of the blonde that covers her left eye all the time. I guess. OK. Yeah. That's fun. evidently Whoopi Goldberg was on that show, too. I need to watch Captain Planet, guys. I knew that one. Actually. Yeah. Um. So one weird, I might, we might cut this out. It's okay. Whatever. Is it weird watching a movie in the Upper West Side, um, right? Like right before 9-11? There were a couple of shots of, of the World Trade Center and I was like, oh, and I mean, sometimes it, it's weird. It's a pocket of time. Like this is a different New York <laughs> than any New York you're ever going to get again. I mean, a New York where someone's like, I'm going to have to move to Brooklyn. And I'm like, yeah, that's I'll move to Brooklyn. Let's, yeah, let's I want to move that. to Brooklyn. Yeah. My favorite line in this movie that is kind of just like it, it kind of like a cultural uh, significance in it is when the grandfather talks about um, the Upper West Side and all the liberals and all the New York liberals that <laughs> like, you know, the you know, that like run their little shops and stuff. And I, I feel like that gives you a certain idea of the atmosphere of pre 9-11 New York when it comes to the like political aspect of it. I mean, and, and it, and it's shown in 30 rock because they do that with, uh, was it Alec Baldwin? Alec Baldwin. Or, yeah. Yeah. They do that with him. We're like the boss is like making fun of the liberal New Yorkers and you've got the old man doing the same thing. It's Good just, God. Lemon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it definitely is like in this whole movie, even with the, the way the internet is, is just a very much a time and place movie. Like, it starts with the internet dial-up that, like, took me straight back to, like, nostalgia. Like, and then, like, like just hearing that you've got male voice again, like, oh, like, this is not now. Like, I just have to say that even to this day, that is the fastest I've ever seen America Online get to the home window from startup. 
when I first saw this movie as a kid, um, well, as a kid, I was like maybe 13, 14 years old. Um, and I was watching it with my mom and dad. And I remember my dad making the comment. He was like, well, that was fast to get on the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> like it, ne- it never came on that quickly. And we had a top of the line Packard Bell at the time. And nope. oh, boy. <laughs> so one technology thing that caught me caught my attention this time around. How does Tom Hanks have Internet on the boat? I was thinking the same thing. He's a multimillionaire. I, they didn't have Wi-Fi back then. Like he would have had he, to he run have a, a hard line. line to the boat. Look, you're talking about you're talking about a family where the dad pulls up in a limousine on on a pedestrian walking trail and unloads the limo into a small yacht next to his son's slightly smaller yacht. I guarantee that they have a phone line going into those yachts from that dock because I'm pretty sure they have to pay a monthly fee or a yearly fee to dock those things there. So they have those type of amenities. All right. 100% because all you need is a phone line. 1998, you just need a phone line. I'm so sad there weren't scenes of like Meg Ryan and Craig Kinnear fighting over the phone line though. Like him needing to call out and she's like, but I'm writing an email. Hold on. Well, that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. He hates technology. So that would have been an interesting dynamic. But I don't think he would use a phone call. I think he would send a carrier pigeon because he's that against technology. (laughs) I thought that was fun with the typewriter because Tom Hanks loves typewriters. Yeah, I I like that connection here, too. Yeah, I'm sure those are just his typewriters that he donated for this. Oh, yeah. He's just film. But um, yeah, I, I. I guarantee that that would have been fun, but given both of their statures, um, the fact that he's a writer and the fact that she's a business owner, I wouldn't be surprised if they had two phone lines in, in the nineties for the internet, like how my dad, he worked remotely from Salt Lake city, which is, which was the base of his company that he worked for. Mm -hmm. He said they paid for, four phone lines going into our house wow. just for his office so he could be on the phone he could be on the internet and he could send and receive faxes without any overlap preventing anything happening wow so i'm talking like 96 97 we had a phone tech come down and he even made the comment about wow you know the company that he works for you know this is crazy because you know, my dad could seriously be getting a fax at the same second set at the same second. He mm-hmm. can send a fax, get a fax, be online and on the phone. That's I mean, that's for the 90s. That blows my mind because like I've had that <laughs> fight where I'm like, Graham, you don't need to be on the phone. I got to do this. And like, I don't know. That was. Yeah, that was and like a real struggle. My dad had all of that. My mom and I still had to fight over the phone and the Internet because we still only had one family phone line. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Any other final thoughts on You've Got Mail? I I don't know if you turned me, but I do appreciate more of what the movie's doing than I came into it with. I'll take it. Yeah. That's I good. Mean, I, that, yeah. I count it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that I think I don't I'm not as mad about it as I was before, especially I, I mean, knowing its origins. It's a you're looking at a 22 year old movie for a movie from 1998 through 2020 eyes. So it, it does come off a little bit weird at in spots, mm-hmm. 
But you got to remember, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan were America's sweethearts in the in the 90s. Yeah, they were. Because they're still riding that Sleepless in Seattle blockbuster uh, wave up into into 1998. So yeah, I mean, and and I think part of it too, and, and I talk too much about this, and I won't bring up too much about it, but like part of it too is I had a, a girlfriend where the primary means of communication was through AOL Mail, and like I understand that whole like the the guy going, "You've got mail." Like the like surge of like cool emotion that that could bring. And I very powerful words. Yeah, like they were. And like, I think I was I think because of that and because of the premise of it and just because of the intro, like throwing me right back into that. I think that I was primed to think away or expect a certain thing from the movie that I didn't get. And I think that that was that was somewhat my fault. All right. Ryan, any other thoughts? It's really surprising how watching a movie with no cell phones in it flows. Well, no, I mean, there's there's cell phones, but no smartphones, I mean. Like, okay. you don't miss it. Yeah. No. Like, I'm, I'm not sure if that's because we are of an age where, you know, for half of our lives we were used to not having smartphones and depicted, you know, like, in normal life or depicted in movies. But, like, you see a modern movie and somebody's on a smartphone doing something, but... You know, in these films, you don't have that. And it's it's just something to it's fun to see. It's fun to it's fun to point that out. Yeah. All right. So I think that is it for You've Got Mail. Ryan, next week, it's your turn to make us watch something. What are you going to make us watch? So I have diverted a little bit from what I said earlier in the year about doing sci fi. Uh-huh. Um, and I want to get back into that. And good. I feel like a good way to get back into that would be a nice, good Arnold Schwarzenegger 80s action sci-fi film. So as long as everybody can get a copy of it, uh, so so this might change, I'm going to say Total Recall. Nice. Oh, I'm, I'll find a way to stream that. Don't you worry. <laughs> I, I'm, but, I'm uh, getting the thumbs up for Mana. <laughs> I thought that was Colin Farrell, not ta- not uh, Oh no! <laughs> Are these fighting words? Is it that different and that bad? Actually, it's different, but uh-huh. it's not going to be fighting words for me because I actually kind of like the remake. Okay, I want to talk about that then. Yeah, um, we will. I can. I I know how to watch it. I'm already ready for it. Okay. Good. Ryan, I'm going to have to borrow the DVD. That's fine. I figured I'll get it to you. I'll, uh, uh, or Blu-ray, whatever you got. So It's a DVD. I'm not sure if I ever want to watch it on Blu-ray because I want to keep the graininess on, the <laughs> gotcha. on there. All right. So anyway. Well, I think that does it for this week's episode. Go ahead and make sure to rate the podcast and leave a comment for us. We love your feedback. Uh, go ahead and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram at you have to watch this podcast. Uh, email us any comments to you have to watch this podcast at gmail.com. Um, and until next week, uh, for you have to watch this podcast, I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And don't cry, shop girl. Don't cry. <laughs> <laughs> Stay away from crowds, signs that said no.